You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're a real church for real people where you can belong before you believe. We're always honored to hear how God is working in your life through this ministry. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hit us up at wearetherising.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Finally, if you'd like to invest in what God's doing through this church, you can always give online through our site. Thanks again for tuning in and get ready. Lean forward with an expectant attitude to hear a message from God's Word. Well, that was just worth the price of admission right there. Showing up. Come on. That's why it's important that we come to church. Jacob was in a place. He thought it was an ordinary place, but it wasn't. And that's why we come here. You think this is an ordinary place, but it isn't. This is a place where we get to be reminded over and over again that God is with us and God is near us. Um, I don't know if you've, you've said this phrase. You, you probably have said this phrase before. No, no doubt you've heard this phrase. Uh, it's easier said than done. Have you said that before? It's easier said than done. And, and the reason why we say this phrase, it's easier said than done, is because there are some things in our life that are easier said than done. I mean, it's easy for you to say that, but it's a lot harder to do it. And sometimes we use this phrase to try and make up excuses as to why we won't even attempt something because it seems really hard, so we just say it's easier said than done. But there are some things in our life that really are easier said than done. I'll give you some examples. Um, eat what's on your plate. Right? Easier said than done. Especially if I got liver and onions on my plate because I'm not eating that. And some of you hear that and you're like, oh, liver and onions, I love that. I'm sorry, you're weird. But I'm not eating that. Right? There are some things that are easier said than done. Here's one. Uh, I'll go to sleep after this episode. Right? Easier said than done. Because the episode ends and you're watching the boys and you're wondering, man, what's going to happen with the soups? i got to watch one more episode. Or the mind flayer claims one more victim and there's a cliffhanger at the end of the episode. And you're like, what's going to happen with the kids in Stranger Things? One more episode. And then you say to yourself, one more episode, and then I'll go to sleep. And then one more episode turns into another episode, which turns into another episode, and then it's time to go to work, and you're calling in saying, I'm sick, I can't come. Right? <laughs> Some things are easier said than done. How about this? Just be yourself. Just be yourself. You'd think that'd be easy to do, but it's easier said than done. Because what if I am myself and you don't like me? What if I am myself and you reject me? Then you're not rejecting the me I want you to see. You're rejecting who I really am, and that hurts. It's easier said than done. There's all kinds of things that we, that we say we're going to do, but we don't always do it because it's easier said than done. How about this? Stop using credit cards and just get out of debt. Easier said than done. Why? Because I like what I like, and I want what I want when I want it, and when I want it is now. So no thank you. Easier said than done. I'm going to get in shape. No, you're not. I'm going to wake up earlier. No, you won't. You're going to wake up early for the first two days, and then you're going to wake up later. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to move on from this breakup. Just tell the truth. Be more consistent. I'm going to stop procrastinating tomorrow. Right? Things are easier said than done. Because, and, and when we say that, it's easier said than done. It's because the thing we're talking about is really hard. It's really difficult to do. And sometimes we use that phrase as to say it's impossible. There's no way I can do it because it's impossible. But it's not. Sure, it's easier said than done, but it is possible. And the question that I wonder is, what would happen if we actually did the thing we know we should do? Like, what would happen in our life if we actually did the thing that was difficult? What would the results be? Let's just, let's just play it out. If we said this, I'm going to get more sleep. 
maybe say that's easier said than done, but what if you actually got more sleep, what would happen? You'd be well-rested, sharper in your decision-making, and you'd feel better, which are all good things that we want, right? But it's easier said than done. How about this? Um, I'm going to eat healthier. If you did that, what would happen? You'd feel better mentally, emotionally, and physically, and you'd have more energy. All are good things that you want, but we don't do those things because it's easier said than done. I'm going to set boundaries, and I'm going to slow down in my relationship. That's easier said than done. But what if you actually did that? What's the result? Well, you'd have fewer regrets in a healthy relationship, which are good things, things we all want, yet we refrain from setting boundaries. How about this? I'm going to listen more. Easier said than done. But if you listen more, what would the outcome be? You'd have fewer misunderstandings and be less defensive, which are both great things that we want. I'm going to get more organized. What's the result? You'll be less frazzled, overwhelmed, and stressed. See, when we talk about things being easier said than done, if we actually did the hard thing, if we did the difficult thing, it would lead us to the life that we long to live. But instead, we opt for doing what's easy. We do the thing that's easier said than easier living, right? I mean, like, like we do the easy thing. What I mean is this, it's easy for me to sit on the couch and eat two cups of cheese balls while I binge watch Netflix. It's easy for me to do that. But three weeks later, if I continue to do that and look in the mirror, I won't like the results that I see. But it's easy for me, right? It's easy for me to, um, to, to puff up my pride and to, and to push back and to fight back when you cross me. It's easy for me to do that, but, but when I do that, what happens? The result is broken relationships and isolation, and that's not what I want. It, it, it's easy to complain about the things that we see around the house, but when we do that, what does it do? It drives a wedge between us and our spouse, and it creates this culture of ingratitude and, and, and not being thankful. And when that happens, our relationship erodes and deteriorates, and that is not the result that we want. See, so many times we do what's easy, and we get the results that we don't want. But if we do the things that are easier said than done, the things that are difficult, we will find that it will lead us to the life we long to live. And so I don't know about you, but I'm down for a challenge. I'm ready to rise up and do the thing that's easier said than done. Because I know ultimately it's going to be what's best for me. And so what I want to do today is I want to I point out a teaching from the scripture that is really easier said than done. It's a teaching where if I'm open with you, I'd rather black it out than live it out because this is a hard thing to do. But here's what I know. If I live this out, if I do this, my life will get better. My life will become the life I long to live. And so what I want to invite you to do for the next 28 minutes and 32 seconds is come along with me in this journey to look at this teaching that's tough to live out but say, we're not gonna black it out any longer. We're gonna do whatever it takes to live it out. And, and I know you got all kinds of things that you're working on. I know you got all kinds of things that you're doing and thinking about, but, but here's what I wanna invite you to do this week. Make this your central goal, your priority, where you say, I am going to do whatever it takes to live out this teaching of Jesus, because I've been ignoring it for far too long. And so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna read what Jesus teaches, and then we're gonna go back and, and uh, pick, a, pick apart some of the, the, the things that stand out from it. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And Jesus is talking to his audience. It's like I'm talking to, to, to you today. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. There it is. That's easier said than done. 
right? I'd rather black that out than live that out because that's hard. Do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And Solomon was the king of Israel hundreds of years prior to Jesus speaking. He said, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans, people who don't even care about God, people who don't even think about God, people who don't even believe in God, run after all those things. And your heavenly father, your heavenly father, your dad knows that you need them. And said, so here's what I want you to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so, so here's this teaching that, that Jesus gives us. And, and I want to point out some of the obvious things, and then I want to dig a little deeper into it. First, Jesus says, don't worry. And I hate this, because I worry, right? Like, like I, I love it, but I hate it. I, I love it because I don't want to worry, but I hate it because I do worry. And when I do worry, I feel like I'm not being a good Christian because I'm not doing what Jesus told me to do. And then I worry if I'll ever stop worrying or I'll just continue to live this way, right? And so I'm caught in this cycle of worry. Jesus says, don't worry. And I so, so bad I want that for my life. But this is something that's easier said than done. And we all worry. Right? I mean, each and every one of us, we struggle with this, this thing of worry. And then Jesus goes on to give us some examples of things not to worry about. He says, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. And like, for most of us, these examples are lost on us because we live in a society now where like, if we want to wear something, we can just go to Target and buy it, right? Or if you're hungry, you just go to the grocery store, get something, or go to Chick-fil-A and have lunch, right? Like for most of us, we live in a society, and we're in a place in our life right now where we don't have to worry about those things. And so these examples Jesus gives us are lost on us. And because of that, this teaching doesn't really have the impact that it, that it should or that it could in our lives. And so I just want to tweak some of the examples to, to help us see what Jesus is really saying. See, when he says, don't worry about money, or, or um, don't, don't worry about food or about clothes, what he's really talking about is money, because it, it requires money to get food. It, it requires money for us to get clothes. And so now Jesus is saying, hey, when you think about your life, don't worry about money. Now can we relate? Yeah. Like, money is the number one thing we worry about. I came across this article in Psychological Healthcare, and they said the number one thing people worry about is money. One survey uh, published by the Daily Mail gave a list of the top 10 things North Dakotans are worried about. Here's what North Dakotans are worried about. The number one thing is work. And what is work related to? Money. Number two is money. Number three, being late. The next, a friend or a relative's health, our own health, relationships, missing a plane or a bus, not waking up to our alarm, our appearance, our family's safety. 
How many of you resonate with at least one of those things on that list? Yeah. yeah. And if you resonate with any of those things, what you've secretly found out is that you're a North Dakotan and you didn't even know it, right? But, but these are the things that we all worry about. And the number one thing is money. Actually, this whole teaching from Jesus is teaching us not to worry about money. And we're going to get there a little later, but, but we can also apply this to so many other things in our lives. Here, I'll, I'll give you some of the things that I worry about. And if you relate with any of these, just, just raise your hand as though to say, hey, same here. Me, me too. I, I worry about that too. Some things I worry about are the future. I, I worry about what others think of me. I, I worry about haters or detractors. I worry about my kids and how they're going to turn out. Anybody else? Uh, I worry about being perfect. I worry about failing. I worry about small stuff that doesn't even matter. See, see, we worry about all kinds of stuff, but Jesus comes along on the scene and he says, hey, 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 don't worry. Don't worry. And then Jesus asks this obvious question, and, and, and it seems like, Jesus, why would you even ask this question? Um, but he asks it because what we feel and what we face needs to be confronted, and we need to see it for what it really is. Here's what he says in Matthew 6, 27. He said, just think about it. Can any one of you, by worrying... Add a single hour to your life? And the answer to that is, of course not. No, we can't add an hour to our life by worrying. And really, Jesus is asking the question, well, what good is it? Like, what, what benefit do you gain from worrying? And many of us, we'd say, well, there's no benefit from worrying. I mean, we get stressed, nervous, anxious, paranoid, freaked out, defeated. None of those are benefits. I don't benefit when I worry. But you do. There's a benefit that you find in worrying. There's a benefit I find in worrying. If there were no benefit, we wouldn't worry. But we find a benefit in worrying. I'll just tell you the benefit that I find in worrying is that I get to stay in control. The reason why I worry, the benefit I gain from it is because I get to be in control. Now, even if I'm not in control, I feel like I am in control. Right? Because when this thing is happening, whatever situation, whatever the circumstance is, even if it's out of my control, I feel like I'm in control if I worry because then I can plan and prepare and be ready for it. And so I worry and worry and worry and I feel like I have control even though I don't really. And so that's the benefit that I gain from worrying. That's why I hold on to it. And then, and then there's a risk. See, Jesus says don't worry, but there's a risk in not worrying. And maybe you say, I can't think of a risk. I mean, there's, there's nothing good that comes from worry. There, there's at least... Uh, one thing, it's benefit. Uh, the, there's at least one benefit, is that you get to stay in control. But the risk in giving up worrying is that I have to now trust. And trust is risky. Because when I worry, at least it's in my hands. Right? When I worry, it's all about what can I do, what's going to happen, and I'm thinking about it. But when I give up worry, the risk is that I have to trust now. And it's in someone else's hands. And I don't like that, because now someone else is in control, even if it's God. And here's the thing. When we worry, the, the risk we have to grapple with is this. God, do I trust you enough? See, many of us would say, yes, I trust God. I trust God fully. If you trusted God fully, you wouldn't worry. When we worry, what we're saying is, God, I don't fully trust you. Like, I don't know if, if you can really handle this. I don't know if you're big enough to overcome this. And so, God, I need to keep this in my hands and sort this out. 
Because if I relinquish control, if I stop worrying and I hand it over to you, now I'm worried, will you come through? Now I'm worried, will you do anything about it? Now I'm wondering, do I really trust you? See, there's a risk and there's a benefit in us holding on to worry. But Jesus, nonetheless, says, hey, don't worry. And again, I think, I think we'd push back and say, well, that's easier said than done. But Jesus gives us a way to overcome worry. And it's right here in this passage. I want to take a look at it. Watch this. If we're going to overcome worry, here's how we do it. We have to see things how Jesus sees things. If we're going to overcome worry, we have to see things how Jesus saw things. I mean, just think about it. Jesus is standing in front of his audience, and he tells them, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Okay, Jesus, that's nice for you to say, but how can you say that? How can you tell us, don't worry? How can Jesus tell us, don't worry, and then model it and live it out? Here's how. Because he saw something we don't see. Jesus saw God. Jesus came from God. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. And so Jesus can come along on the scene and tell us, hey, don't worry. You know why? Because I've seen God. Because I know God. I came from God. I am God. And if you knew God like I know God, you wouldn't worry. You remember the song you used to sing as a kid a long time ago? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. In his hands. You sing it. He's got the whole world. Come on. In his hands. Last one. He's got the whole world in his, with me? Hands. Yeah. All right? Here's why Jesus could say don't worry, because he knows he's got the whole world in his hands. And here's a verse to back it up. Psalm 95, 4. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. See, you thought it was just some kid song, but it's not. The truth is Jesus, God, has the whole world in his hands. And Jesus comes along. He says, don't worry, because I've seen God. I know God, and he's got the whole world in his hands. Don't worry, because God is bigger than the late notice. God is grander than the cancer. God is more present than you can know in your loneliness and desiring to be loved. God is over the problem that you're facing at work right now. God is not only the maker and sustainer of the world, holding all things in his hand, but he's also the one who knows you better than you know yourself. So don't worry. He's a way maker where there seems to be no way. He's the great physician, the healer, the miracle worker. He's the divider of seas and the guider of his people. God is the calm in the storm and the peace in the uncertain. Whatever you're in right now, whatever is coming at you, I don't know what it is. It may seem too big. It may seem difficult. You may think I can barely hang on, but here's what I know. God is bigger than what's bearing down on you. So hold on, because he's got the whole world in his hands. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Man, I felt like y'all left me up here all by myself. Jesus said, if you could just see what I see, if you would just know what I know, you would know you don't have to worry, because God's got it. It might not work out like you want it to. But God is still good, and God is still bigger than what you're facing. You might not like the outcome, 
But the question I want to ask is, do you trust me? Do you trust me no matter what? See, worry comes down to trust. And so we have a worry problem because we have a sight problem. We got to see things how Jesus sees things. And if we're going to overcome worry, not only do we have to see what Jesus saw, but we have to do what Jesus told us to do. See, Jesus knew something we don't know. He said, God is bigger than anything we could ever face. And then we got to come to a point in our life where we actually believe it. I know God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, and I know you believe it, and I know, yeah, but do you really believe it? I mean, it's one thing to come in here and kid ourselves and be like, yay, praise God, Jesus is great, but do you really believe it? See, Jesus, Jesus knew God was big, but, but, but the second thing is this. Jesus told us to do something. And here's, here's what he told us to do, Matthew 6, 33. If we're going to overcome worry, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so we have to do what Jesus told us to do. What was it? He told us this, make first things first. If we're going to overcome worry, then we got to make first things first. So what we find in this passage is that we have a sight problem. we got to see things how Jesus sees things. And we have an order issue. We get things out of order. See, there are things that you and I, we care about and that are important to us. And because of, them, we, because of that, we worry about them. And, and here's what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say whatever it is you're thinking about, whatever it is you care about, that's irrelevant or that's too small or that doesn't matter. No, if it, does it matter to you? Well, then it matters to God because you matter to God. And so God cares about the things that you care about. And you may say, but there's no way that God cares about uh, me being able to pay my bills on time. Or there's no way that God really cares about me finding love. There's no way. No, no. If it is important to you, it's important to God. Because you're important to God. But Jesus comes along and he says, listen, I, I know that's important and I know that that matters to you. But the problem is you've gotten it out of order. And, and yes, God cares about that. And yes, God says that that's important. But he says something is even more important. And if you'll put first things first, what you'll find is that all the other things you're chasing after, all the other things that you long for, God will provide those as well because he knows you need them. Again, it comes down to trust. Do I trust that if I put first things first, God will come through and meet my needs? And again, he might not come through like I expect him to. He might not do the thing that I want for him to do, but do I trust that God has my best interests in mind, that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, and if I'll follow him first, he'll add all these other things as well. That's what Jesus says. We got an order issue. And so let's just, let's just play through this and, and, and try and figure out, does this really work? Because I think that's what many of us are, are, are wondering when we come to church and when we, when we follow Jesus. Does this really work? Is this going to help my life? Is there something to this? Now, as we, as we think about worrying, um, I've scoured the internet and I've ragged my brain trying to figure out all the different things that we worry about. And all the things that we worry about really fit into three categories. And we're going to go over uh, each one of these categories. But, but the first category is money. And this isn't me saying this. This is, this is, this is God saying it. But it's also survey after survey, uh, people just saying the number one thing they worry about is money. The second is love. Will I be loved? Will I find love? Will someone care about me? And the third thing that we worry about 
is appearance. How do I look? Not just physically, but how do I look in the eyes of others? We, we worry about these three things. But what if we made first things first, we sought after God uh, in these areas? Will these areas come through for us? Let's, let's, let's just play it out. Um, in this first category, we, we worry about money. So, so this is security. Will I be able to pay my bills? Will I be able to provide? Will I be able to retire and not have to be a greeter at Walmart? Uh, will I have what I need? Can I pay my mortgage or rent? Uh, will I ever be able to pay, pay off this debt? And, and, and these are all things that we worry about centering uh, around money. But, but Jesus says, uh, make first things first. And again, this whole teaching is centered around money. Actually, before Jesus launches into this teaching, telling us not to worry, uh, the verse before this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. One will be first in your life, and the other won't. And that's it. And then Jesus goes on and he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll, eat or drink, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Again, food, clothes, it requires money to get those things. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Really, he could say, isn't life more than money? But the way we live, it wouldn't seem that way. Because what we do is, um, here, let's see. Uh, Irene, come on up here. This is my wife, y'all. Give it up for her from my wife, Irene. Come on up here. Now, you're going you're gonna to represent money, okay? This is how our life looks. And I brought you up here because I do this in real life because you're my wife. This is how our life looks. Here, I want you to, watch out, there's a, there's a cable there. I want you to trip on it. But I want you to run, run, run around like this, okay? <laughs> Just run around like this. And this is, this is how our, our life looks right here. Go ahead. She's money. I want it. I want it. Come back. Come back. Where are you going? Where are you going? Okay, that's enough. Stop. That's, um, that's what it looks like in our house, too, y'all. Watch out now. No, y'all give it up for Irene. Thank you so much. But that's, and that's, that's stupid. That's silly. And we said, but that's how we live our lives, chasing after money. We get the wrong thing first. Jesus said the pagans run after these things, people who don't even believe in God, people who don't even care about God. And not only do the pagans run after these things, but Christians run after these things. Jesus said we got a sight problem and an order problem. We gotta make first things first. See, we're called to be the kind of people who don't conform to culture, but are transformed by the word of God. And sometimes people ask the question, how come churches talk so much about money? It's because we, we still don't get it. And it's not because we want something from you. It's what we want for you. Jesus said the number one competitor for, for our heart is not the devil, but it's our money. Look, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. The biggest hang-up we have when it comes to our priorities is that we make money first. Over and over again, people in surveys have said, that's the thing I worry about the most. And so how do we overcome that? Well, it's by making God first in our finances. It's by following God in what, what we do when it comes to our finances, when it comes to managing our money. 
And let's just, let's just play that out, right? Just, just think through it. If I make God first in my finances, then what that means is that I understand that everything I have comes from God. God has provided it, it all. And so I don't look at what I have entitled to have it, but I look at what I have as a gift. God has blessed me with everything that I have. And because of that, I can be content with what I have. Yes, I want to multiply it. Yes, I want to reproduce that. Yes, I want more. But I just realized God is the, the one who gives me the ability to earn wealth in the first place. And so I have a proper perspective of my finances, understanding it's not mine. I'm just here managing what he's entrusted to me. And as a manager of God's money, I will handle it differently. What it means is that when I go to work, I'm grateful for the opportunity that I have, even if my job sucks, even if I don't love it, because if I were to quit, there'd be 10 other people who are lining up trying to take my job. They'd love to have it. It's all about perspective. And so I realized that my job is an opportunity for me as well. And so I go in and I honor my boss, I honor my coworkers, I honor my employees, I show them respect and I work hard. If we're gonna make God first when it comes to work, it means that we're not standing on top of desks preaching to people, but we're showing God through our work ethic. Like your employers should say, I gotta hire Christians because they're some of the hardest workers around. I gotta hire Christians because it's unbelievable. They don't complain, right? Like this is how it should be. If we're gonna make first things first, if we're gonna make God front and center in everything we do, including our job, including our work, your employer should be, like the Christians who work here are like the best people ever because they do what they say they're gonna do. They get their work done on time. They have a great attitude. And it's like they bring light into this workplace. I mean, this is how our lives should look. Let me ask you, if you did that, would you have to worry about job security? No, not at all. Why, because you've made God first, front and center in your workplace. And even if you didn't have a job, because you made God front and center in your work ethic, in your workplace, in your, in your attitude and all of that, you'll have another job lined up in no time, right? If we just make first things first, Jesus said all these things will be added to you as well. Let's make first things first when it comes to how we manage money. And so we're gonna be wise like the proverb says. The proverb says that fools gobble up everything that comes to them, but in the storehouses of the wise are choice food and wine. And so we wanna be the kind of people who don't just spend everything that comes into our hands, but we wanna save and we wanna invest. If you did that, you wouldn't have to worry about emergencies because you'd have an emergency fund. If we, if we followed God and how we manage our, our money, we wouldn't have to worry about retirement because we're setting aside for retirement. And so we say no to what's now so that we can say yes to what's best later. But seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. If, if you save like God taught you to save, do you think you'd worry about emergencies in the future? No, not at all. See, there's something in what Jesus is saying. If we, if we return the tithe like God taught us to, God, you, you are first and foremost in my life and I'm gonna show it, I'm gonna prove it, I'm gonna be faithful by bringing the first 10% of my income back to you, not because the church needs it, but because I need it. 
not me, the pastor on stage saying this, but you saying this about yourself. I need it as a reminder that everything I have comes from you. I need to do this because I wanna make first things first. I need to do this because when I return the tithe back to you, it increases my faith, trusting that you will provide everything else. This is why we, if we follow God in our finances, our worry would dissipate. And because of that, I, I, I think, and, and this is tough as we talk about money because for a lot of people, when you talk about money in, in church, it's, it's really uncomfortable. And, and I'm gonna talk about something in a minute so it won't be as uncomfortable. But, but when we talk about money in church, it becomes uncomfortable for us. Not, not when, when companies talk about wanting our money, like we're fine to give Apple our money or Nike our money or whatever, or Under Armour our money, that, that's fine. But, but when we talk about returning the tithe back to God, that, that, that's where we get a little leery. Um, but again, here's why we do it. It's a reminder to us that I'm making first things first, right? And I think a lot of us would say, yes, I believe we should make God first. I agree that we should make first things first. I, yes, yes, yes. But if we were to look at the scorecard, we'd find that we're actually living much differently. Like if you were to look at what you do with your money right now, I think we'd find that we make all of our wants, wishes, and desires first as opposed to God. And that's why every single week when we, when we have an opportunity to return the tithe and bring an offering, that's really like throwing down the gauntlet and saying, okay, are you serious about what you believe? Like, I know, I know you wanna follow God and you wanna make him first things first, here's your opportunity. When you return the tithe, it's you saying, God, I'm making first things first. I, I, I love it when we give and, and I get that, that receipt online. It just reminds me, you did it this week. You made God first in your finances. You actually lived out what you said you believed. Way to go. Every single week we have that opportunity. And you're gonna have that opportunity as you exit today. Are you gonna trust God and say, all right, first things first. Here you go, God. I'm returning the first 10% back to you. And um, I wanna just let you know, when we talk about this, it's not because we want something from you, it's because we want something for you. Here's, here's what we do to, to try and help you win in finances. Um, so we have groups that are launching in September and you have a list of all the groups on your chairs. Um, but in 2020, the very beginning of the year, we're gonna be offering this group called Financial Peace University. And we offer it every year. And I wanna invite you, if you haven't been through Financial Peace University, to be thinking about it now and planning and preparing to go through it next year, starting in January. Because in Financial Peace University, it's gonna give you the tools that you need to win with money so you don't have to worry about money. FPU is gonna teach you how to manage your money well, how to budget, how to get out of debt, how to save and invest for the future, right? And so, uh, if that's you, and you're, like, you have to go through FPU. Like, just make it a non-negotiable, of course I'm gonna go through it. Now, I wanna let you know so you can start saving up for it, it's 100 bucks to go through. 100 bucks, that's a lot of money. You spend more than that on cable. Come on. This is about getting free and overcoming worry in your finances. So start saving up for that now and join that group when we started in 2020. So we do that to equip you to win with finances. Here's the second thing I wanna share with you, just so you understand, when we talk about money, it's not because we want something from you, it's because we want something for you. I wanna invite you to, to engage in what we call the tithe challenge. And, and here's what it is. If you commit, and here's how much we believe in God's word. If you commit 
to say, God, I'm going to return the tithe like you call me to. I'm going to make first things first. And you commit to return the tithe for the next two months. If at the end of these two months, you would say, you know, God didn't come through for me. I didn't gain any blessing from that. I didn't see any benefit from that at all. Like, it, it was, there was nothing. Like, God did not deliver on his word. If at the end of two months of you tithing consistently, you feel that way, we will give you all your money back for those two months. All right? It's because we don't want something from you. We want you to experience the blessing of God in your life. Because it's us saying we believe so much in God's word. We believe that when you make first things first, God will provide the rest. We're willing to give it back if it doesn't happen. All right? So Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Make first things first. And the number one thing that we worry about is money. The, the, the second thing is we worry uh, about love. Will, will I be with someone? Will someone care for me? Um, will I be alone for the rest of my life. But Jesus says, don't worry, seek first, first things first. And so what if we put God first in our relationships? Well, then what we'd find is that we're complete in God and not needing to find someone else to complete us. And so we'll be more content in who we are. We'll know our own value and our own worth. What if we made God first when it came to, 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 to our relationships? Then what we do is we set boundaries in our relationships. And when we do that, we would live with less regrets. We'd have less toxic relationships. See, when we seek God first in our relationships, it leads us to the result that we long for. And then finally, the, the third category that we often worry about is, is how we look, is what do people think of me? Will, will I be good enough? But when we follow God and we make him first, God comes along and he says, you're good enough just as you are. I made you and I don't make junk. And so you don't have to worry about that. See, when we make God first in everything we do, everything else falls in place. And so Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry. And listen, that's so much easier said than done. But I wanna be the kind of person who lives out what Jesus teaches and not blacks it out because it's hard. And here's the thing, if we follow what Jesus says to do, we will find that it will lead us to the life we long to live. And so I don't know how you've been living. I don't know what you've been doing when it comes to this passage. My guess is you've probably treated it the same way I have, and you've been ignoring it. You've been saying, oh, that's easier said than done. But today, I say no more. Today, I say I'm going to rise up to the challenge and see what Jesus saw, a God who's bigger than anything I face. Today, I'm gonna reprioritize and reorder my life so that I make first things first, seeking God in everything. And that means I gotta increase my level of trust in Him. But I need to do it. Because ultimately, it'll lead me to the life that I long to live. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 11:28, 28, and this is what we all long for. But it requires us seeing things Jesus saw in getting things in order like Jesus told us to. He said, are you tired? Are you worn out, burned out on religion? That's what worry does for us. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. 
learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And isn't this what we want? To live freely and lightly. Jesus said, hey, get away with me. Learn my ways, put first things first. And when you do that, it's not a burden. Sure, it's hard, sure, it's difficult. But you'll learn to live freely and lightly and worry-free. Thanks so much for listening. We pray God inspires, challenges, and motivates you to become greater through what you've just heard. Again, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Remember, your best days are still ahead.